You're listening to The Over 50 Entrepreneur, the podcast that's dedicated to the business builders who are only getting started when most are winding down. This is the place to discover how to create more freedom from your business while growing the value of your business. Now here's your host, Rick Hadrava. Hey everybody, this is Rick Hadrava, your host for another episode of the Over 50 Entrepreneur Podcast. Really appreciate you all tuning in today. And you know, I saw this guest on a commercial. I think a lot of you have seen his commercials over the years. His partner is now on a lot of those commercials. And I wanted to interview Rod Polston with Polston Tax Resolutions and Accounting. I just have always been intrigued by what they do. I wanted to learn more about the business. So I'm really happy that Rod has has joined us. Their organization is based out of Norman. They have offices in Oklahoma City, in Tulsa, in Wichita, and they have a satellite office in Kansas City. And you know what? I'm a guy that likes to get right into it. I don't like big intros. So I think without further ado, uh, let's welcome Rod Polston to the Over 50 Entrepreneur Podcast. Rod, welcome, and thank you so much for taking the time to be here with us today. Hey, thanks, Rick. It's an, uh, it's an honor that you'd have me on here. I've been looking forward to it all week. Well, I tell you, you know, let's get right to it. My first question for anybody in your situation is, why did you choose to go to law school? Well, it's, I kind of got a little bit of a backstory. Um, I was actually you know, my dad was a football coach before he got in the insurance business. And that was kind of what I always wanted to do. And ironically, I, one of his former players was a tax lawyer here in Norman. And in a roundabout way, I ended up going to work summers for him uh, when I was in uh, undergrad. And I really just kind of fell in love with with tax. And uh, so I, I decided, you know, to start going down that path. And Ultimately, that's how I ended up in, in law school. And I had been interning for him and his office all the way through undergrad. So I really had a major head start in my practice area on all, most of the other attorneys that, you know, were coming out of law school and, you know, still having to go learn a practice area. I literally uh, knew a lot about my area before I even went to law school. So it was legitimately been my, my plan since I was about 19, 20 years old. So, so you knew going into law school, the, the narrow path that you wanted to take. I knew I wanted to be a tax lawyer, but the difference with the firm that I worked for and what I do now is he was more of an estate planning attorney and I, you know, and we do tax prep and entity structuring, but I, and he would kind of, if you're a tax law office, people just come in with tax problems and tax law is actually a very broad area. There's a lot of things that fall under that umbrella. And so I would always get kicked all the resolution, the tax problems, because he didn't like to deal with them. And then the kind of the opposite happened with me. I fell out of love with estate planning and fell in love with the tax resolution side. And so I broke free. I just interned for him. And then after I got out, uh, I went out on my own pretty early and, you know, like any other business owner, regardless of what you're in, I didn't have a whole lot of money. Uh, I didn't know how to attract clients and um, it was tough for many years, but, you know, we finally started learning things and, and then things finally took off for us and we've been able to build what I consider to be a very successful business. You know, I went from a one man show to today, you know, we've got offices like you'd mentioned in Oklahoma and Kansas. And, you know, we're up around 120 employees now. So it's, it's been a lot of fun. 
I think that's the definition of an overnight success, right, Rod? Well, it didn't happen overnight. <laughs> that's what I. Well, it's always interesting from the outside looking in. Somebody will look at that and go, "Oh, you had it easy," and um, and they don't know the sleepless nights and the all the ups and downs that come with that. But wh- what was it that? I mean, did you always know you wanted to open your own business? You know, I, I just yes, I did. I mean, at one point, I thought I wanted to take over the the law firm that I was working for, and that we'd kicked around those conversations, but ultimately that means you're going to be a business owner as well. Uh, so yeah, it was always in my plans. And, you know, to be honest with you, I'm so thankful that only paychecks I've ever received uh, were while I was interning. So I've never actually had a paycheck that could actually support me that I didn't generate myself. And I think that's just been a blessing for me because I see people that come from the W2 world and go out on their own. And I think it's hard for them sometimes to make that adjustment that, hey, every month is, is a new month. And, you know, you, as a business owner, you get what's left over at the end of the month. All the bills get paid, all the employees get paid, and you get just whatever's left. And sometimes that's, you know, there's been times when that for me was nothing. So, but I'm used to that and I'm used to the roller coaster. I've told people, I'm like, you know, I've never gone back and looked at it, but I've probably never made the exact same amount of money in any two months in my entire career. So I'm used to that and that's how I'm driven. And I'm just, I'm really, I'm kind of thankful. I never had a situation where I got a guaranteed paycheck that paid all my bills every two weeks. Well, I was going to ask you, you know, early on, did you ever kind of think back and go, man, I I wish I wouldn't have done this or from day one, even with the ups and downs and the struggles, were you all in? I mean, I'm sure there's days where I was like, am I, what am I doing? You know, my wife always jokes. I used to come when, they, you know, there'd be times when my clients weren't paying me and my account receivable was really high. And, uh, you know, even though I was doing a lot of work, we just weren't making a whole lot of money. And I'd, I'd get freaked out and I'd come home and I'd tell Sarah, my wife, we're going to sell the house this is before we had any children. I'm like, we're going to sell the house. I don't think we can even make it through this month. And, uh, you know, praise God, I, I always, we always made it through. And she jokes about that now. Anytime I tell her about anything, you know, that we may be struggling with it with the office, she goes like, are we going to have to sell the house? <laughs> I'm like, no, we're fine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but so, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, I had to sit in front of a bankruptcy attorney at one point in my career because I just didn't know if I was going to make it or not. And, or I didn't know if I was going to make it without having to file bankruptcy. And thankfully, I never did. So, no, it's it's been a lot of ups and downs and twists well, and turns. But that's what being an entrepreneur is. Absolutely. And you wouldn't want it any other way. I mean, let's be honest, never a boring day. But you, you obviously have a successful business now. You know, you said, what, 120 people on, on the team. And um, right. as you as you look back at those early years, is there a lesson or a, a situation that sticks out in your mind that, really has has taught you through the through your career one thing is i've always been a risk taker and you know if i rachel my business partner and you you'd mentioned her earlier that you know she does a lot of our you know tv commercials and and what have you she told me she'd been working for me for probably about three or four years and i hadn't even thought about it but she's like you know she's like anytime we start talking about something new She's like, you just grab it and just jump off the cliff. And you're just like, I'll figure it out on my way down. And she's like, honestly, she's like, she's like, she's not that way. She, uh, that's kind of 
how her and I work well together, I'm always like, let's go jump off the cliff. And she's like, let's kind of calculate how fast you're going to fall. <laughs> so, um, and, and I think that's, you know, yes, as every time I jumped off the cliff, has it worked? No, absolutely not. In fact, the majority of the time it didn't. But, you know, typically if you take calculated risk and you do enough of them, you know, something's going to work out. And it really, it, so many times I've done one little thing and it's completely changed my business overnight. And it's like over time you do enough of those and you take enough risks and you fail and you learn. And then you find that thing that works, that little nugget that you got. Maybe you got it from a seminar, maybe just through experience in, in your arena or an idea that just popped into your head uh, one day and boom, all of a sudden it just takes off and you put enough of those pieces of the puzzle together. And over time, you know, you just continue to get better at what you do. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that that's the thing. I, I love the fail and learn. You know, I think sometimes entrepreneurs new to the game feel like they have to be perfect. And the truth is it couldn't be any further from the truth. You just have to, you just have to be able to sustain yourself through the failure as, as you kind of find your way. But you, you, speaking of Rachel, you pivoted at some point and brought Rachel on as your, as your partner in the business. Tell me a little bit, what was that all about and, and why did you choose to go that direction? Well, Rachel was the first attorney I hired and it's, I won't tell you the whole backstory, but it's, it's uh, a good one. I didn't want to hire an attorney. She had actually applied for an administrative um, assistant, uh, essentially a caseworker. And I, at the time we, we started having success. We only had probably three or four employees and I just didn't want an attorney coming in and start telling me how to do things and all this because we were really starting to ramp up and finally it found a niche that we were having a lot of success with. And I went ahead and interviewed her and it's the best interview I've ever had in my entire life. I mean, she literally said the opposite of what everybody says that you interview um, back then. And even these days, all she talked about is how she was going to help me grow my business, you know, and as a business owner, I'm like, this is, this is beautiful. This is what I want. And so she ended up being everything that she said she was going to be in times 10. And so it didn't take me long to figure out how valuable she was. And I knew I needed to take care of her to make sure she stuck around. So I, you know, I just continued to increase her salary, increase her, um, you know, her, her compensation in different ways and give it incentivized. And then over time uh, I knew I, in the back of my mind, I'm like, you need to make her a partner. And so I don't even know how many years she's been a partner now, you know, maybe five or so. And so we went ahead and did that. And, um, you know, it's, it's been a, a great relationship with, with her and I, because the good thing about us is we are, we've got enough similarities that we kind of can see things through, you know, one set of eyes, but we have a lot of differences and we've worked together for so long. She knows when she's got to let me take, you know, take the baton. And then I'm pretty comfortable in going, Hey man, this is in your arena. You, you gotta, this is where you work together. And so we kind of fill each other's gaps in that perspective. Of, I'm much more of a vision person and she's much more of a detail person. So it's kind of this ebb and flow that works together. And that's what I've seen with other business owners. If you have two people that are exactly alike, it's like, man, that's just gonna, you're gonna have a hard time making that work out. So most of the partnerships that we see work are where they are very different, have very different roles. So they're not stepping on each other's toes. And that, that is really good. You know, 
that was a small move that you made that's had an instrumental impact. Um, I got to believe. And what has, what has happened? What has, what has putting Rachel in that position allowed you to do Rod as a business owner? Well, I'll just, again, I'll backtrack just a little bit and you know, what's the biggest challenge in my opinion for most business owners, if they want to get to that point is getting to the point where you're out of the day to day operations. So, you know, I had Rachel and I have probably my uh, second top employee. Uh, her name's Cami and she is the head of our, our consult team. That was the, you know, everybody that has started on their own, in my opinion, you know, I used to do everything. So when you start hiring people, you have to let go of things and it's hard to let go because you're like, ah, I want it to be perfect. And so you have to start trusting other people. And so what I did is as I started to hire people, I let go of the pieces of the puzzle that I felt were the least significant. And I, I stayed involved with the things that I considered to be more significant all the way up to the point where I had Rachel and Cami um, doing the majority of the consultations, but I was doing the ones that were essentially the biggest cases and, and handling that. So that was the last thing that I finally let go was getting myself out of the day to day. And the consultation piece of that um, was the last thing that I was involved in and having uh, Cami and Rachel to be able to step into those roles. And I have confidence that they can do it because that's how we generate all of our revenue. And that's why it was tough for me to let go because if I felt like we had a bad month, then I'd just like, hey, that's on me. I got to get better. And um, so being able to let that go, you just have to literally give up the revenue side of, of your office. And uh, like we were talking earlier before we started, when I finally got to the point that I was able to do that, that following year, we grew more percentage-wise in that year than we ever have. So she was instrumental in allowing me to get to that point. So it's such a this is such a great story because it's one of the key components in growing the value of an organization. You know, so many times we get caught in what we call the owner's trap. We're really good technically, but we think that we are the essence of the business in our sometimes it's our ego, quite frankly. But I'm curious from your perspective, because you've done this successfully, you've done the right things, you've put people in position and you truly are running as a owner instead of just an operator. Why do you think so many business owners struggle with that, Rod? I'd just be curious what your, what your thoughts are. Well, exactly what you just described there. You know, it's one of a few things. It's, you know, control, which, you know, it's tough. I mean, don't get me wrong. It took me years to get to that point. Rachel, even I was out of town a few years ago and they were moving my office because we had we were expanding, and so I was moving offices, and they were in there cleaning my off my desk out, so they could move it. And she starts texting me pictures of my goal sheets. I have a drawer that I keep my goal sheets in from every year, and she sent me seven of them. And she goes, "It's and the number one goal in all seven years was remove myself from the day to day operations." She's like, "It took you seven years to do it, but you didn't quit going down that path." And so it's not something that happens overnight, but it is, it's the control issue and maybe even an ego thing. You know, I have somebody that is a good friend of mine that does what I do in North Dallas and he's a wonderful attorney. And, um, he and I started out in this arena about the exact same time and he's very successful and has built a great business, but he cannot get him. He does not, I don't even know if he wants to be out of the day to day. 
because he has he's very technical and he's you know a much very much a micromanager. And he and I had the conversation one day, and I just said. I couldn't do what you do. And he's like, and I couldn't do what you do. He goes, it freaked me out to have that many employees and not know what's going on constant on a daily basis with every single case and, and everything. So a lot of it is some people just, you know, and he's got a very successful business about the third of si- the size of mine, um, maybe, you know, a little bit less, but he's happy, makes, you know, good money. And, he can sleep at night knowing that I know everything that's going on. I'm the opposite of that. I want to get successful people, great leadership, put them in charge, and then we're unlimited on the ability to grow. Well, so Rod, Rod and that's the great thing is you get to choose as the entrepreneur. You, you can choose one path or the other, and they're going to have limitations or, or challenges that are going to be unique. Let's say somebody's listening to us today, and they're that entrepreneur that wants to do what you've done what would you advise them would be the first critical thing for them to do? I would say make a list of what you consider to be the most important roles in your office that, you, that they're currently undertaking themselves. What do you do, what, whether that list is one through five or one through 10, and go, what's the number one most important thing I do right down to number 10, the least important thing that I do? And then come up with a plan. And I would probably even go, all right, I'm going to put dates beside this, you know, to force it. I'm going to look at it every single day and go, okay, number 10, I've got whatever you want to put a month, three months, six months to delegate that out, whether that's hire a new person or somebody that you currently have, I'm going to delegate that out and then just start marking that list off until you get to that number one thing. And then when you're able to mark that one off, you've got it. Now, whatever everybody's time frame on that may be different. Mine was seven years. If I went back in time and decided that to do all, start all over again, I'd do it in a day. You know, I'm like, I'm not going to waste any time, you know, taking seven years to do that. We're going to do it right now. I'm going to get strong leadership, but I've already been down the path. So I know how to do that. But that's what I would say. Make the list and just start delegating out the least, what you consider to be the least important all the way to the most important. And you've got to be dedicated to do it and go, you know, no matter what, I'm going to make this happen because, um, you know, a lot of people might be, you know, if they had a list of 10, they get through five and just, they're like, I just, I can't let go of these last five. They're just too important. There's nobody on the planet that can do it as well as I can. And I had a, a mentor one time tell me, he's like, Rod, you may never find somebody that can do, you know, what you do a hundred percent. But if they can do 80% and you can grow, then you've accomplished way more than if you just did it yourself. That's really good advice. And, uh, you know, I, I encourage our listeners who maybe are thinking about that. I love, I love it because you can write it down and it could take you seven years. It could take you more. It could take you less. But you have to, you have to take the footsteps and you can't, you can't sit there and wait for perfection because it just doesn't exist um, in that Rod, let's let's shift gears if you'll allow me. Um, if you'll let me, I'm, I don't mean yeah. to interrupt you, Rick. One last no, go thing ahead. is just along those same lines before we go into the next topic is they've got to stay co- committed to it because if you delegate that thing out, and sure enough, let's just say you hire John to handle that thing, John might mess it up. He might, and that doesn't mean oh gosh, I got to go take that back over. No, then you go hire Sherry to do it. And then you keep going until that thing, you've got the right person handling it. 
someone that you have confidence in. And that's one thing I've never done. I've never, anything that I've let go of, I've never picked it back up again. And sometimes it was challenging and frustrating. But once you let that thing go, you have to be committed to that and go, no, I'm not picking that back up. I have to train and train and train to get the right person to do it. Then I'm going to be committed to that. But I've seen too many people that try to do it and then it's not perfect. And then they, you know, they go back and start micromanaging everything all over again. So that's my last piece of advice in, in that, that arena. It's great. It's a good point. Very good point. And, you know, that that's where you actually move from a technical business owner to a leadership business owner. And and you can do both in the same, but you are, you are investing in other people's success and it doesn't happen overnight. And there's going to be things like you've talked about. So a really good point. I appreciate you sharing that. Well, I wanted to shift gears a little bit um, because I feel like we wouldn't be doing a service if we didn't pick your brain at some level. Around here, we're big fans of Mike McAllowitz and his concept of profit first. And Mike is an entrepreneur and had had companies fail and kind of took that and turned it into some tools and techniques to, to help business owners. One of those techniques is simply being able to allocate revenue towards different buckets. And one of those being tax buckets, because in his experience, business owners get themselves in trouble when they don't have the money set aside to pay those taxes as they come due. And here you are, somebody that deals with that. I'm just curious from a macro standpoint, is, you know, as you're dealing with business owners in the, in the work that your firm does, is that a theme that's common or is there something else that, that you've experienced over the years with business owners that you might be willing to share to kind of, you know, just bring awareness to our business owner community? No, I, you know, I think that's a great uh, point and I a hundred percent agree with, uh, you know, what, um, how he describes that is having the different buckets and definitely have a tax bucket, but I'll tell you, and I'll use our, you know, what we're going through right now or hopefully starting to come out of, perfect example is what we've just experienced with the coronavirus. Most of the people that I've sat in front of over the years, and I've sat in front of thousands of people, business owners that have tax problems, it's not something that they were just being irresponsible about. It's not that they just woke up one day and said, you know what, I'm not going to pay taxes anymore. Um, they, most of them have encountered an event outside of their control. You know, we're going to see a lot of tax problems from what we just experienced, in my opinion. I won't see them this year, most likely, but they're going to show up a year from now, 18 months from now. People had money saved up to pay their taxes on April 15th. Well, obviously, we, you know, go into lockdown mode about the middle of March. Businesses were highly affected. A lot of them, you know, didn't qualify or weren't able to get the government assistance and they had money in that tax bucket. Well, what do they do? They go use it for other things that they feel are more important. What's more important? My employees. That's my always my number one. Um, make sure my people are taken care of. You got to make sure the lights stay on. You got to make sure, you know, the things that matter the most, like for, for us, marketing, you know, that's what, you know, that's the fuel that we got to put into our engine to make it run. And the majority of business owners, or in my opinion, the majority of the good business owners are optimistic. So they always think it's going to get better. You know, yeah, this is tough right now, but it's going to get better. I'm going to get there. And so most of the people that we meet with, they encountered some of it. You know, here in Oklahoma, the oil and gas industry, we're going to see a bunch of cases coming in in the next couple of years because people had that money set aside. And then, boom, you know, the, the price of oil just, you know, went negative. You know, first time anybody's ever seen that. 
So it's typically events like that. You know, we live in Oklahoma. Businesses get hit by tornadoes, floods, things that they encounter. Uh, my house, you know, my personal residence was struck by lightning and burned down in 2017. Um, so it's things like that that happen to people. Um, illness is a big deal. You know, people get sick. If you're a business owner and you're in control of everything and something happens where you're not capable of working, um, that can have a huge impact on your business. So it's the majority of it is people that uh, don't, you know, events that are outside their control or it's people that have never been self-employed before, you know, kind of what we were talking about earlier in the W2 world, and they don't know how to plan for it. They jump in and say, hey, I got a great idea and I'm really good at it and I can generate revenue. I'm a great salesperson, but they don't have the proper infrastructure to go, hey, you got to pay taxes. You got to set money aside and do all those things. And then the next thing you know, they file their tax return. And they're like, how do I owe that much money? Uh, I didn't make that much money. Well, you didn't feel like you made that much money, but once your tax return's done, you actually did. So, you know, those are common themes we see as well. You know, as I'm listening to you, Rod, I'm thinking, you know, it, it might be a good time for our business owners to step back and, and re-engage some of their advisors. You know, there's their tax advisors, um, their, their estate planning attorneys, just all of these, you know, their wealth advisors, just to do a review and kind of see where they are to, to get in front of any issues that might be coming, because I think you're right. I think we're going to see some of this happening, unfortunately. But what advice, is there anything that comes to your mind that, that a business owner should be doing that maybe finds them finds themselves in that situation right now? You know, my, my best advice is do not procrastinate with it. If you discover that you're in a situation that you, you're incapable of paying the amount of tax that you owe, the biggest problem that I see is burying your head in the sand. You know, I know it's a stressful issue. People are terrified of the IRS, as they should be. They, they do what I consider to be a lot of unfair things to people that, you know, are trying to make a living. And uh, my guess is the second half of this year, they're going to get pretty aggressive. They've got a lot of money that they've got to go generate. And not only the federal taxing agency, um, that you're going to see the state agencies doing as well because they're all, you know, hurting financially because of everything that we've been through. So my advice is don't, the quicker you address the problem, the easier it is for a firm like ours to take care of you. And I say that because if you, if you wait until your bank account gets levied or you get a wage and income levy, if you're a 1099, now you don't have any money or maybe you don't have any access to money. Well, now you can't, Maybe you can't hire somebody to help you. And even if you do it on your own, which is tough because they know the rules and they know what they can get away with and you don't, but it's to not procrastinate. There are great resolutions available for you as far as installment agreements, you know, penalty abatements, maybe possibly offering compromises. Um, that's what I've been telling people. I'm like, oh, geez, right now, especially in Oklahoma, this is the absolute best time to go take care of an IRS problem because it's based upon your ability to pay. There's this misconception that if I'm going to get an offer and compromise with the IRS, I got to have money to offer them. No, this is not like a negotiation with a typical contract. This is, we fight on your ability to pay. And that's based upon your monthly disposable income and equity that you have in assets. And we go in and, and fight to get those numbers as low as we can. The IRS is going to do the opposite and, and fight to get them as high as they can. And so that's why I'm like, man, right now, why most people, a lot of business owners, financials look terrible. Um, that's actually the best time to negotiate with them is you'll go in and get the best deals 
now. And, uh, you know, I've seen it with the oil and gas industry time and time again, when it, they've gone down and then come back up, most of them come hire us when it comes back up. And I'm always just, you know, beating my head on my desk going, Oh, if you'd have come in here six months ago, I would have got you the best deal you could imagine. And now you're making a lot of money again. We're probably going to have to full pay this over time. We get you into an installment agreement when I could have got you an offer and compromise back a few months ago. So that would probably be my best advice is get on it quickly. Uh, because if I, if we can get in there and, or somebody like us get in there and run defense, file some appeals, keep them from levying your accounts, and then we can get your financials looking the way that we need to. Then we can go in and get it, get it a really good, sweet deal for you. And then it, you never really feel it. But mo- a lot of people wait too long. They wait till that revenue officer's, you know, filing liens and levies, or you know, they get their bank account levied. And then can we still take care of it? Absolutely. But it's a lot harder on the client than if they address the issue early. Well, it sounds like um, we need to get to that part of the show where we talk about how to get in touch with your firm because it, it's really good advice. Is don't sit back and wait. Take control of the situation. And and I and I love what you shared. So so Rod, we've come to the end of the show, and I always like to give an opportunity for people to be able to connect with our guests. How does how does somebody reach your team, um, learn more about you if they have questions? Well, the easiest way to do that is just to go to our website, which is www.polstontax.com. Um, and then we do have all of the different phone numbers for the different offices on that website. I don't know all of them off the top of my head. My main uh, office number is 405-801-2146 out of Norman. And you can call that from anywhere and they can connect and uh, whether you're in Tulsa or Oklahoma City or um, in Kansas. So the website's the easiest or just give us a call and uh, we can direct you to whoever you need, whatever you need, as far as our services are concerned. Sounds great. Rod, it's been a total pleasure having you on the show today. I, I appreciate it. And guys, you can get the show notes, including Rod's phone number and email if you didn't catch it, or the website by going to our website at www.epicsbiz.com forward slash podcast. That's epicsbiz.com forward slash podcast. You'll find this episode along with the show notes and be sure to check out our other resources available to you as business owners. And if you want to learn about our Friday Zoom sessions, our live events, or the other things we're doing, just email me at rick at epicsbiz.com and say, hey, I want to learn more. Reach out and we'll connect with you. Until next time, just remember, as always, we're just getting started. The Over 50 Entrepreneur Podcast is sponsored by Epic Business Advisory, where we help entrepreneurs escape the owner's trap. Build businesses that can succeed without you, allowing you the opportunity to realize more freedom, think bigger, and pursue next-level goals. Download our freedom formula at epicsbiz.com slash formula. And remember, we're only getting started.